If you're here for the first time, we want to say welcome to New Birth, a place of hope. If you're, not, if you're here and you don't have Jesus in your heart, I want to give you an opportunity at, at the end of our sermon so that you can respond to the word of God. Respond. I remember my mom used to call me, and if, and if I wouldn't respond, you know, um, every word requires a response. And God is going to speak to us, and at the end of the sermon, he wants us to respond. And how do I respond? By believing what he says and ultimately accepting that God, what God is going to tell us as his word for us. And if you want Jesus in your heart, not religion, not, not, not none of that, Jesus. At the end of the sermon, you're gonna, I'm going to count to three. And you're going to raise your hand to this guy. And you're going to receive Jesus. You're going to do today what I did a Wednesday night, August 16, 1989. I gave my life to Jesus in the city of the Bronx, New York, under a broken down tent. I received Jesus and I raised my hand and I said, I want that God. And that was close to 30 years ago, 31 years ago, that I made that decision. And so today is your August 16th. So if you're here today, do not leave this place without Jesus in your heart. We're in the middle of a, of a series called Amen. And uh, last week we talked about I'm invited. Primarily, we focus on the biblical narrative between Jesus recruiting the 12. Jesus invited the 12. And in the midst of the 12, he invited someone that perhaps many of us would have never invited. And so my, my, my main idea last Sunday was that Jesus invites all people to come to him into a journey of a deeper revelation of who Jesus is. And he's inviting us and he's inviting you regardless of what you've been through, regardless of where you are. The more he reveals himself to you, the more you realize that who you are and what you've been through will ultimately dwindle at the light of the God that's inviting you to walk with him. And then we talked about Judas, how God uh, used, God invited a betrayer, God invited a backstabber. God and Jesus invited a betrayer into his team. So we talked about being invited. Today, I want to talk about being included. Sometimes in church, or even in events, we're good at inviting people. And sometimes we invite people, especially weddings and sweet 16s and birthdays. We invite people not because we want to include them. We invite them because we want a gift from them. Oh, invite her because she gives good gifts. Invite them because they give good money. And sometimes when we invite people, there's always an ulterior motive. But it is not, isn't it not just necessary to invite. But once I invite you in, I have to include you in. And the church has to be the place where people who we invite can feel like I belong. I'm a part of. I see myself in this thing. So we're going to focus on, I would call it the theology of inclusivity, but the importance of being included. The importance of being included. And for that, I want to 
give you a story that's in the Bible that would help me enhance this thought, if you will. John chapter 21, verses 7 through 17. I'm going to read 10 verses. This is after Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was died on a Friday night, Friday evening. He was crucified. They, hung, they took him off the cross sun, Friday night, put him in a sepulcher in a tomb all of Saturday. And Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. And after he raises from the dead, he gives instructions to Mary, the mother of Christ, and Mary Magdalene, who came to the tomb. There was an angel that was there. And when Mary showed up to the tomb, the tomb was empty. The, roll, the stone was rolled away. And the angel gave message, message, gave a message to Mary, and she tell, he tells them to go tell the disciples and Peter that the Lord is waiting for them. And so there's another version of scripture that says that when Peter got to the tomb, the tomb was empty, and Peter ran, the disciples ran, and Jesus encounters the disciples after resurrection. Now, bear in mind, Friday night, all of the 12 except John stood at the cross. Friday night, all of the other nine, well, all of the other 11 left Jesus. They abandoned him at the cross. And so we pick up chapter 21. It says, then the disciple Jesus loved, I don't know how humble John was because John wrote that about himself. Uh, issues. Anyway. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. Let me stop this. Do you remember when Jesus picked Peter? Peter was a fisherman. And when Jesus calls Peter, he tells Peter, leave your nets, leave your fish, because as of today, you will no longer be fishers of fish, you will be fishers of men. And the Bible says, and Peter left everything and followed Jesus. Three and a half years later, Peter denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And when Jesus shows back in John chapter 21, we see Peter backslidden. What does backsliding mean? The definition of backsliding is going back to the place God took you from. Three and a half years ago, God took Peter out of the boat and the fish. Three and a half years later, he's back at the place God took him from. So if you're here, friend, and perhaps you used to serve the Lord, you used to serve Jesus, and you are in that backslidden state, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is calling you by name today. And he wants to bring you home. So he put on his tunic, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. Verse 8. The others stayed on the boat 
with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore. For they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Jesus started cooking and some bread. Look what he did. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Verse 10. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went back aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish. And yet the net hadn't torn. There was 153 large fish. And the net hadn't torn. Let me submit to you, church, that there's enough room in God's net called the church for everyone. And let me just give you a little footnote. The reason why John mentions 153 fish is because that specific lake had 153 different kinds of fish. So the message is that Jesus, in this capture of fish, every type of fish was caught in the net. This church is the type of church that's got to have room for all kinds of people, regardless what they've been through or what they're going through. In this net, there's room for everybody. Somebody say amen. amen. Verse 12. Now come and have breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples since he had been risen from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? By this time, Peter's confused. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And so he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my My first idea, my first point today is God can't include you if you do not let him in. Everyone's invited. There's room in God's house for everybody. But God cannot include you in his world unless you make yourself available to him. Peter had denied the Lord three times Friday night. Three times. But the Bible says that the moment Peter heard that Jesus was there, Jesus jumped out of his boat into the water. Now notice, when, when you look at the, con the contrast between Judas, which we talked about yet last Sunday, when you look at Judas versus Peter, Judas hung himself on a, on a tree, took his life.
But when Peter was aware of Jesus' presence, he didn't, he didn't take matters into his own hand. What he did, the Bible says, is that he got off his boat. He got off his backslidden state. He got off his experience of this is what I used to do before, and I'm going to go back to living the way. He, he left all that, and he swam, and he came to the very presence of the God he had betrayed three times that Friday. Listen to me, church. Now, why would Judas, who walked with Jesus as long as Peter, in his betrayal, he takes his life, yet Peter, in his betrayal, he repents and come back to the Father. What's the difference between Peter and Judas? The difference between Peter and Judas is that Peter sinned. He didn't use it to condemn himself, but Peter uses sin as conviction to bring him closer to Jesus Christ. Sometimes we allow our sins to condemn us, to push us away from God. Let me submit to you. If you're waiting to be sinless, to be right with God, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But what do I do? In my sinful state, I'm not going to let the enemy remorse and, and beat me up in my, my heart and in my mind and keep me away from Jesus and castigate me away from God's plan. No, in the middle of my sin, in the middle of my failures, in the middle of my shortcoming, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what Peter did. Peter used sin's conviction to bring him closer to Jesus. Yet Judas allowed sin's guilt to push him away from Christ. So being included has nothing to do with the inviter. But it has everything to do with whether you accept the invitation or not. Listen to me, church. Don't complain about feeling left outside of the church. Don't complain. I don't fit in the church. I don't know what it is. I, don't complain. If you are in feeling committed and involved in the church, it may be because you've been invited, but you have not included yourself in the life of this invitation. New birth. When God gave us this church four years ago, he gave it to us for us to be a place of hope for everyone. Black, white, yellow, brown, pink, yeah, people dying here, pink, blue, green, everyone. When God told us, I want you to plant a church, and I want you to start this church, and I want it to be new birth. He said, I want it to be new birth, and God gave a word to my wife. He said, but it's got to be a place of hope. It's not a, new birth is not a place for the holy, because he's the only holy one. This is not a place for the non-sinners. Because Jesus is the only perfect one. But God told us, I want you to start a church and I want it to be a place of hope. Hope for every single person. So if you feel included, listen to me. Then the question is, what am I going to do with the inclusion, with how well I feel in the life of this church. What am I going to do with that? Okay, I've been invited. Somebody brought me to church. I love the church. This church is great. Woo, woo, woo. Now they're including, they're making me a part of, um, I, I'm being included. I'm in. Now the question is, what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with it? Now that you're in, 
It's like the guy that loves a girl, right? And, and you know, you're trying to make her make know and let her know that you like her. And so you're always outstanding trying to be the guy. And, and, and when you like, and the girl likes a guy, she's always trying to flirt. And her hair's, you know, and all that drama. And trying to get there. But once you got him, once you got her, oh, that's my girl. No more flowers. No more text messages randomly just because. No more, no more, I don't mind walking and walking you to your job. No, 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 no more, I don't mind walking you to your classroom. No, no, now, now it's like, I know, you know. Now that you're in, what are you going to do with that? And I'm going to let you know, friend, it don't matter. It don't matter who made you feel not wanted. I'm here to tell you that Jesus has room for you in this place and he wants to include you in his world. He wants to include you in his blessing. He doesn't just want to invite you. He wants to, he has so much for you. And he has so much for me. And he has so much for us that he's saying, not only I want you to come into the doors, but I want you to take ownership of the things I have in store for your life. Which leads me to my second point. Don't exclude don't exclude who Jesus is trying to include. People are going to come into this house. They might not look like you, talk like you, act like you, dress like you, comport themselves like you. They might not be at your level, whether it's economic, social, or spiritual. But we must be careful that we don't exclude the people that God is including in. The thing is, when we, ex when we include people, it's based on our status. When we include people, it's based on our pedigree. When we include people, it's based on where we are. But when God includes people, listen, none of us are at the standard of Jesus Christ. If it were based on that, then none of us would qualify to be in the house of faith. But he doesn't pick me because I'm good. He doesn't pick me because I'm qualified. He doesn't pick me because I'm spiritual. He picks me through the eyes of faith. And it says, I might not yet appear that you're going to be, but I can see you where you're going to be before you see yourself. So I'm going to invite you and include you because I know that bigger, better, and stronger things are waiting for you. When Jesus saw Peter coming off the boat to meet Jesus. Imagine if Peter would have said, Jesus would have said, ah, not Peter, not Peter. He backstabbed me three times last uh, Friday. Imagine. Yo, yo, Peter, yo, uh, Jesus is calling us. He's on the shore. And Peter said, what? Yo, what? Peter jumps off the boat. He starts swimming. Imagine if Jesus would have sent a message, hey, I don't want that guy next to me. What he did to me on Friday, he backstabbed me once, twice, three times. He cussed me in front of everybody. But, but listen, listen, when Jesus calls you, he doesn't call you because he knows you're going to be perfect. He calls you because he's so confident in his love and his forgiveness and his restoration that he is not intimidated by how many times we fail him. He says, oh, he's coming. That's exactly what I want. Listen to me. He jumped out in faith. And swam to Jesus. Now, what was the motivator that made Peter feel God's going to love me? His perspective of Jesus was greater than his flaws and sins. His perspective on Jesus 
was greater than his personal flaws and sin. Listen to me. I'm going to close. I'm going to skip all this. Listen to me. We are here to include and not disqualify the ones that God has qualified. And this is why this place is the best place to be on a Sunday. I don't know what you guys like to be on Sundays, but I, don't, I like to be in this place. This is the best place in the whole wide world on a Sunday. We've all been qualified. We've all been included. We've all been invited. We've all been brought in, regardless of what world of chaos we have living and pending in our homes. The God that invited included us in. Which leads me to my third point, which is, if Jesus qualified you, then nothing else can disqualify you. If Jesus qualified you, whatever the enemy is whispering in your ear, ain't got no more weight than the God who has qualified you. When Jesus looked at Peter, he didn't mention his denial. He didn't mention his betrayal. When, 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 when Jesus looked at Peter, he never said, oh, oh, yo, but what happened to you, man? He didn't be like, I know what you did last time. He didn't do that. The moment Jesus' eyes connected with Peter's eyes, there was no judgment. And I go, there he go. You know how we give looks to guys that we know they backstab. We're like, what's up, man? Hey, I wanted to do something to my friend, man. He's real cool. But you know he backstabbed you. He, he, and you look at him like, nice to meet you. Jesus didn't do that when he saw Peter. When he saw Peter, you know what he did to Peter? He took him through a series of interrogation. And he asked him three important questions. Question number one. Jesus is amazing. The guy, the guy backslid, because he went back to do what he was doing before Jesus called him. The guy swam back. Then Jesus said, no, 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 don't leave the fish. Go get the fish. Don't disqualify the fish. The same way I'm, I'm including you, go bring them fish in here. Then he brings them back. And then Jesus asks him three questions. Question number one. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I love you. Okay, cool. I got a bigger question, Peter. Peter said, yeah, you know I love you. And Jesus tells Peter, okay, if you love me, if you love me, take care of my lambs. All right, cool. But remember, Peter ain't messing with lambs. Peter's messing with fish. He asks him a second question. And the second question is, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, you know I love you. Then Jesus says, okay, Peter, take care of my sheep. First time he said lamb. Second time he said sheep. Sounds the same. It's not the same. 
Okay, take care of my sheep. A third time, he asks him, Peter, do you love me? At this point, Peter's like, you know all things. And Jesus tells him, take care of my sheep. Now, Jesus didn't ask him these questions until he fed him first. The Bible says he fed him fish, he fed him bread, he cooked him a meal, he ministered to his hunger, he ministered to his need to then bring him to a place of asking the hard question. We as a church, we have to be the type of church that we provide the needs of the people before we present them the plan of salvation. Come to Jesus or you're going to hell. That's, that's not it. Feed them first. Love them first. Show them Jesus first. Then show them the plan of salvation. So what's the message? What's the message? What's, what's, what's the message Jesus is telling us through Peter? He didn't say, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. All right. So look, so since you love me, don't backstab me again. That was not the condition. Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Okay, so based on that, don't deny me again. No, no. His response was connected to love. And he said, if you love me, take care of my sheep. If you love me, take care of what I, because there's a correlation between the love of God and including people into God's world. We cannot say we love God, yet we don't ever invite or include anybody to the house of God. He says, if you love me, take care of my people. If you love me, take care of my... Now, what is a lamb versus a sheep? A lamb is a baby version of a, of a sheep. Let me tell you, lambs are hard to train. Lambs don't develop the hearing to understand and decipher the voice of his master. Lambs are hard-headed. So he says, Peter, if you love me, take care of my sheep. Which, by the way, you were a lamb at one point, Peter. And I spent three and a half years with you. And I loved you enough to keep you and watch you grow from a lamb to a sheep. I stood with you long enough to watch you evolve from an impulsive, crazy lamb into a now a solid sheep. So if you love me, church, Jesus is telling us, take care of my people. If you love me, church, Jesus is telling us, I'm going to bring in some lambs. I'm going to bring in some sheep. I'm going to bring in some hurting. And don't think that your love to me is demonstrated by what you do in the church. Your love to me is demonstrated how you treat the people I love. We got to be better at inviting people. But we got to be better at including people. Including people. I remember August 16th. I want you. I want you to see this picture. This picture on the screen. These guys right there on the screen. 
This guy to the right with no hair. His name is Peter Lopez. The guy in the middle, his name is Richard Donez. And the guy on the left is the flies of them all. <laughs> right, baby? There you go. Now listen. Let me say this, and I'm done. 31 years ago, I was walking down the streets. Sounds like a hip-hop. I was walking down the streets with him. <laughs> 31 years ago, I was walking down the streets of 153rd Avenue in the Bronx. I was walking. Actually, no, August, August 14th. Two days before I went to church. And the guy to the right with no hair, Peter, he was giving out something like this. Giving out flyers. And he invited me to a tent crusade. 31 years ago, that guy, Peter, was 16 years old. And I was walking down 153rd Third Avenue. And he said, hey, we have an evangelistic outreach under a tent. And I want to invite you to come. I want you to come. And he gave me a flyer. It was an ugly flyer. Ugly. <laughs> 31 years ago, we didn't have the graphics we have today. It was, it was an eight and a half paper cut in four pieces. I had one piece of the four. He said, hey, I want you to come. Two days later, I showed up to that tent. 16-year-old guy. And that night, the guy in the middle, Richie Donas, was preaching. He was 17 years old. These guys were a group of five. Teenagers. They didn't graduate from Bible school. They didn't have a master's degree in theology. They barely finished high school. And the one with no hair hadn't even, was still in high school. And they got together and they did a revival service under a tent. Oh, my God. And that tent was full of holes. And that week rained every night. It, it rained so much that on the altar, on the pulpit, there was a guy with an umbrella covering the piano guy because there was water falling on the piano. And he was like this, holding. And all this was going to, and while I'm there in the middle, in the back of the service, and I'm watching four guys, 16, 17, and two 18-year-olds, preaching Jesus. And I'm sitting back there, I'm like, wow, man, that's what I want to do. And God started speaking to me and pouring into my life. And when the guy in the middle, Richie, did the altar call, which we're going to do today, when he said, who wants Jesus? Without hesitation, I raised my hand to this guy. And I said, I want Jesus. I received the invitation. And I accepted Jesus that August 16, 1989. And I came to the altar, and Richie prayed for me. And back in the days, you know, it, it was a little different because it was it was more fiery Pentecostal church. So here, you know, we pray for you real nice, you know. Not dumb, 
They casted out demons. They put oil on me. They pushed me back. They rebuked the devil. People started running all over the church. And I'm there like this, you know, like this, a foot back. Jesus because of a 16-year-old that invited me to the church. This is why I believe in young people. This is why I believe in young adults. This is why I believe in teenagers. And I gave my life to Jesus. That was the first night on a Wednesday night. I was so impacted, I went back Thursday. And I went back. This second night, I wasn't sitting in the back of the tent. Now I was in the first row. Nowadays, you can't sit on the first row if you're a pastor. If you're not a pastor, you can't sit in the front. If, you don't got, if you're not a deacon, you can't sit in the front. But these guys didn't care who was a deacon, who was a pastor. They, they, not only did they invite me in, they let me get closer to the front. And I was in the front. And I was, oh, my God. This is amazing. This is amazing. And they were preaching and preaching every night. One of those guys were preaching and preaching and preaching. And oh my God, by the third night, I, I was here. I was here. I was right next to the stage, next to the steps of the altar. With a, y'all know about this, with a tambourine. By the time we got to the last night, I was on the altar playing the congas. They didn't kick me out. They didn't tell me, well, you haven't gone through membership yet. They didn't tell me, you haven't taken, you haven't gotten baptized yet. They didn't ask me, what's your credentials? They not only invited me, but they included me. Now listen, 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 listen. By the fifth night, I was on stage praying for people. Praying for people. Four months later, four months later, they included me into the ministry. And I became part of the team of Holy Ghost Mission. And through the five of us, to the glory of God, you know what happened in New York City in the Tri-State area? A revolution happened. A revolution happened. My father was a pastor, independent church. He was from Reobov. He was from another council. Another guy was in the Assemblies of God. And back in the 31 years ago, the councils, the denominations didn't hook up with each other. Liberal denominations didn't hang out with legalistic denominations. But because we all were from different denominations, when we got together in the tent, all of the people from our denominations came. And through five of us, God used five of us to unite the churches to the glory of God. It was a revival that happened. So when you see me up here on the pulpit and you see what God is doing in new birth, I am the result of two young men who invited and included me. If it were not because of God and these two young men, perhaps I wouldn't have been here today. But they invited me. Now, let me tell you this. After I became part of the team, there was one time they put me on discipline. What is discipline? They sat me down. I couldn't preach. Because although I was a preacher, I was a mess. 
I was doing stuff I wasn't supposed to do. And they didn't kick me out because I screwed up. They processed me through and they made me stronger and they made me better. And today I'm here as a witness of what can happen when people are invited and people are included into the life of a church. And so this Friday, we took this picture this Friday. The guy in the middle, his dad passed away. And I went to his funeral service and there, I just had an amazing time just reminiscing. We was talking about what God did 31 years ago. And so today, 31 years later, friend, you are here. And I'm here to tell you what Peter told me 31 years ago. Hey, would you come to Jesus? I invite you to the Lord. I invite you to a journey with Jesus Christ. I promise you that here will not judge you. God is the only judge. And instead of judging, he's loving, he's forgiving. And he is hoping that we don't fought, live a life of sin, but that we may live a life of, of glory, of salvation. And so my job today is to invite you back to the Father. And I promise that by grace and with his love, we will include you into the household of faith. Because there's so much more God has for you that where you are today.